Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. This episode is brought to you by the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, CAMH. It's never an easy call with so many problems in the world to know where to direct the money that you donate when you want to help out in this world. But what I can tell you is that when you donate to CAMH, you're saving lives. We know about the opioid crisis. We know about the mental health crisis. They are doing the work. Help change mental health care forever. Your support will help CAMH build a future where no one is left behind. Donate at camh.ca slash CanadaLand to help us treat addiction and build hope. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. Comes with a 20-year warranty and a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. So we're going to get sued. It's going to happen sooner or later. There's really no avoiding it. It's table stakes for doing this kind of work. Good journalists get sued. Bad journalists get sued. Anybody can sue anybody. We've been threatened a bunch of times. Me, as a journalist independently, or CanadaLand, been threatened by John Gameshi, by uh, the Irving family of New Brunswick. Their newspaper chain threatened us. Marineland, Jordan Peterson. Now we've been threatened by the WE movement. And here's what we do uh, when we get a notice of libel. And this one had over 40 things that they said we got wrong in defaming and libeling the WE movement. We take it seriously. We sit down with it, with our lawyer, and we go through every single thing that they say we got wrong. A, because we care if we got it wrong. And B, because the easiest way to avoid getting sued is to correct and clarify. In a way, you almost hope that you got it wrong when somebody is like ready to sue you because there's an easy way out that also satisfies your obligation to like get things right. You say, sorry, you correct it. So bad news, we got it right. The article that we published, Jaron Kerr's investigation, his first piece on the WE movement, there's nothing in there for us to correct or clarify. Then we went through the podcast where Jaron and I went through his article and kind of turned it into a podcast. And we found uh, two areas for clarification. One had to do with this projected annual revenue of $47 million. In the article, we're clear that that's a combination of sources, corporate and foundational input. Uh, On the podcast, we say that that's just from corporate sponsors. So that's something that got murky on the podcast. And uh, we have clarified that on the website and clarifying it now. And another thing that we decided we should probably clarify is uh, I tripped over one of the classifications. You've got a lot of these different organizations. We charity, that's a charity. Me to we, that's a business. In the States, 
the MeToo Foundation, I said, oh, that's a business too, not a charity. Well, actually, it is the equivalent of a charity. It can do business, it can sell products and services, but it does have some version of charitable status. So we thought that that was something, you know, just clarify it. Uh, there's no harm in, in giving more information. So we clarified those two things for the podcast. And thank you to We for bringing those things to our attention. We want to give you the most accurate information possible. But they maintain that there's like 40 other things in the story that are just wrong. Interestingly, the main thrust of the story, the biggest thing I think the story had to say, which is that this is an organization that was uh, founded to fight child labor, and now they're partnering with companies that use child labor. They don't dispute that. They don't dispute that. So they say that uh, the, the notice of libel says that they're going to proceed with legal actions. Maybe they will, maybe they won't. You know, We haven't been sued yet. All of those other people who threatened us, they threatened and we did not retract those stories. We did not apologize for those stories. Those stories were also accurate. They didn't sue. But one day we'll get sued. And when that happens, we're going to stand by our work, just as we stand by our, our reporting on the WE organization. And we're continuing our reporting on the WE organization. We're not going to be bullied. We're not going to be intimidated. We asked two questions. Is it accurate? And if it is accurate, do people need to know it? And if both of those things are true, it's the guiding principle for this kind of work for like a hundred years. If those things are true, we stand by our work, even if that means like an endless, expensive, pain in the ass experience in court. It's just the way it goes. There's no serious news organization in this country that hasn't found itself in court defending their work sooner or later. And sooner or later, it's going to be us. And we're going to defend it because of your help, because of your support. Right now, I'm really happy to say that Jaron Kerr is about to become a permanent staff member of our team because you got us past our first goal. He is continuing to investigate the WE organization right now. We have information that we feel is accurate. We think this information is information that you should know about. He is proceeding with those stories. As for our next goal, raising enough money to hire somebody to look into credible allegations of sexual misconduct, doesn't look like we're going to get there. Not this month. This is the last message you're going to hear from me for a year about our crowdfunding. Any money we raise towards that goal, it's going to go towards that kind of reporting. We'll assign freelance stories. We'll do everything we can with the resources that we have. I don't have a lot more to say. I've said everything I can possibly think of to tell you what we do and why we're worth your support. If any of it makes sense to you, we need your help. Go to patreon.com slash CanadaLand. If you give us five bucks or more a month, you get all of our podcasts ad free. Thank you. Thank you for supporting what we do. Thank you for listening to what we do, even if you don't support it. I'll talk to you about this again in a year. Paul Wells, journalist with McLean's Magazine. Welcome back. Hi. Paul, today we're going to talk about that McLean's cover that made a nation really think about some complex ideas even if they disagreed with them. That's what we're good at. Just kidding. We're going to talk about the McLean's cover that you guys actually published. We are going to talk about Ontario Proud's funding sources. And we are going to talk about Justin Trudeau, champion of the free press. Good to have you back. Well, we'll have fun. I hope so. This episode of Canada Land Shortcuts is brought to you by Vincent Laren, Kate Hoffman, Mark Gillis, Alex Oliveira, Ryan Collins, Andrew Halberstadt, Dan O'Connor, and Erica Pisani. 
Hi, my name is Erica. I'm a software developer in Toronto, and I support Candleland because given all the amazing work that the Candleland team does, how could I not? And Paul Wells, I got to tell you, this episode is also brought to you by our founding sponsor, FreshBooks. Have you heard about FreshBooks? Have you ever heard of this thing before? I believe I have, but I'm curious to hear more. Well, you are in luck, sir. It is the ridiculously easy accounting software that has completely transformed how freelancers and small business owners deal with their day-to-day paperwork. Paul, it is true that they're our founding sponsor, but uh, it is also true that I was using them for my invoicing before they were a sponsor because they have a really good product that uh, any, any freelancer, any small business, any entrepreneur, even growing businesses, I think, can benefit from FreshBooks because it's just gotten more and more robust and powerful through the years. It makes it very easy to send an invoice and it has all kinds of little little ninja features like being able to see when your client looked at the invoice and you can get paid quicker as well as make invoices quicker and do your taxes quicker. Saves you a ton of time. Try it out for 30 days for free. Go to freshbooks.com slash CanadaLand and enter CanadaLand in the how did you hear about us section. Paul, let us discuss the resistance. Okay. It's funny, your your producer put that last on the list of topics, but I noticed that you're jumping right in. Oh, I, I shuffled that order. There's no reason to uh, to wait for this good stuff. <laughs> oh, I had so much fun last week, Paul. You had this article in McLean's. Mm-hmm. I read it eventually. It's a, a very thoughtful and well-reported overview of, of this growing consensus amongst Canadian conservatives in terms of their united front against the federal government's carbon tax. is a prescient. It's probably going to be something we're going to be hearing about in the next election. And it was presented to McLean's readers on the cover of the magazine. How shall I, how shall I describe this uh, in the theater of the mind? A group portrait of a squad of doughy middle-aged men in blue suits hanging tough staring down the camera gangsta style, posed and cropped incredibly awkwardly with the headline, The Resistance, stamped in front of them. This cover, Paul, as you experienced, was mocked, dunked on, goofed on, remixed, memed nationwide. It was a level of ridicule that um, perhaps you will agree rendered the words that you wrote something of a footnote. Yes? Yes, a 3,000-word footnote. Uh, Yes, obviously that's what happened. (laughs) So mission accomplished. You were trolling Canada. McLean's was trolling Canada again. This was the idea, right? Uh, well, it's hard to say. Let me just say that this was the first time we, we've been in the middle of a national shitstorm over something on the cover of McLean's that I hadn't expected that to happen. <laughs> when, And I almost never have direct say over our cover uh, plays. I was consulted on this one. I agreed with everything, including the term, the resistance. But, you know, it was basically cooked up in Toronto. And it never occurred to me that there'd be a problem. Let me contrast that with... Uh, several years ago when we had an oh, article so about... Oh, there's so many you could get. Yeah, well, this is it. There's you know? so many. Why are we dressing our daughters like skanks? I mean, Why were we dressing our daughters like skanks? Did we ever get to the bottom of that? <laughs> no, no. Uh, eventually, Ken White left and our institutional curiosity for that question uh, diminished considerably. But Too uh, Asian. Did you ever answer that one? Are Canadian universities too Asian? Did McLean's ever solve that riddle? Oh. Oh, but you said it. Not you, but McLean's. Yeah. Um, we could write a whole book about that. And Well, Jeet here is way ahead of me. He actually edited a whole book about that. The, the, my favorite <laughs> example, because it's, it's actually relatively harmless, is the article about corruption in Quebec and the cover illustration, a photograph of Bonhomme Carnival toting a suitcase <laughs> full of cash. The most corrupt province in Canada. Yeah. Now, I kind of like that one, to tell you the truth. When I saw that one, I just, I landed at uh, the airport in Quebec City, got off the plane, went to the newsstand, said, hey, what's on the cover of McLean's? I saw that one. And I stood there laughing out loud for about three minutes because I knew exactly how the next week was going to play out. This one, 
Look, my order of priority was write 3,000 words on a complex topic. Two, help our photo desk corral five conservative politicians and sweet talk them into posing for this uh, this cover photo, which I thought was uh, maybe a little too elaborate, but but worth doing. And then three, sign off on the cover line. And our options they included Blue Man Group, uh, <laughs> <laughs> which I, I that was my favorite, but it actually was so meaningless that I thought we couldn't go that way. Just Watch Them, which I thought was tired, and The Resistance, which I agreed with because to me it was the most meaningless cover line. It would get us fairly quickly past the cover line to the interesting photo and then on to the super interesting article. Um, That's not how it worked. Obviously, The Resistance is a term that has very special meaning for a lot of people who are doing important work against sexual harassment and sexual assault. And it that never occurred to me because I was alive before... Uh, last February, and I remember 60 or 80 other meanings of the term resistance, like electrical resistance, like someone who's not doing what you want them to do, like, uh, you know, wartime resistance, which would have been another loaded use of the of the term, but no one got mad about that one. Oh, yeah. No, the resistance has had many meanings, and it has referred to many different movements over the years. I think this is the first time that it's referred to uh, anything having to do with uh, Jason Kenney and Andrew Scheer. Yeah. But, but, like, I think that you're right that a lot of people who were, you know, angry as well as mocking were responding yeah. to the co-opting of the term to, you know, to, to describe yeah. a bunch of guys who are fighting measures to combat climate change, that that's the resistance. Why them? Why not Elizabeth May? Why, why them? Why not people who are fighting the Time's Up Me Too? Why, why not a million other people is why people were angry about it. But I guess I would suggest to you that the response you got was not simply angry backlash. And even as we kind of describe, do our best to describe the cover, half of our listeners who saw the backlash are nodding along being like, wow, that that blew up in your faces in an epic way. Mm -hmm. But I think the other half are still wondering, like, what's the big deal? It was a group portrait of conservatives. It said the resistance is a little cheeky, but like it's not – it's this special magic that happens with a magazine cover that either like works or doesn't. And I still haven't decided if what you did worked or not. I mean, it it, it certainly – you know, what you don't want to do is be ignored. Yeah, like a a magazine cover does not want to be overlooked, and and this was not overlooked. So it is a little paradoxical. I I am told by the people who measure this stuff that the most single-day mentions of McLean's on Twitter ever were the day when we released that cover. And I sure would like a lot of people to think about McLean's. I mean, the magazine's for sale. Please think about McLean's. Mention us to your billionaire friends. But um, since we got all that attention for reasons that we didn't expect, and we've talked about it among ourselves, and it's like... I do feel bad. Uh, normally when I troll, I, I like to mean to troll. <laughs> now, having said that, would I take the word back? You know, if given the choice, would I jump into a time machine? No, 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 no. Now that we've said it and people have had their reactions and, you know. It's That's a little a bit, word. your time machine is confusing yeah. to me because now that you've done it, but if you, could, if you could go back in time before you did it, would you take it back? Would you not, would you not do it if you didn't have to take it back? If you, could, if you could call it the Blue Man Group, would you go for that? I think maybe. Yeah. I think maybe just because... We do like to intend the effect that we have, you know, and this what, was what's a, this the, what's was the old quote, uh, a gentleman is someone who doesn't offend anyone unless they mean to. Yeah. And that's probably sufficiently Victorian to apply to McLean's. Yes. <laughs> All right. Let's, 
talk about McLean's though, because like some people are going to be mad at me, like I'm laughing and giving you a pass for some covers that were truly disgusting. Not yeah. you, but McLean's. Yeah. Um, I have sympathy for anyone who has the job of trying to engage Canadians with public policy stories as a popular entertainment, mm -hmm. as uh, trying to get people to give a shit about what's going on at the political level in this country or what's happening with our climate change policy or anything like that. And the methodology of amping up a story in the way that it's presented, the image, the, you know, the art and the headline to sell a, an actually quite responsibly and thoroughly reported piece is how we do this. We don't have a better way of engaging like uh, a general audience in these issues. So, you know, when, when McLean's, when Ken White took over and the storied masthead of McLean's, you know, was kind of, he sort of threw away the brand and yeah. started running, you know, Stephen Harper is so hot right now, or, you know, McLean's take on elder issues, hurry up and die already. I, I was cheering a little bit. I thought, you know, this is fun. Like, like why be so stuffy? Let's go for it. And yes, the magazine has a right word slant, mm -hmm. but you're fighting the good fight, but it's, can we say at this point that it's failed? Like, I know that this is, it's, you know, maybe it's unrelated, but McLean's is, you know, Rogers is trying to unload McLean's. A deal just fell through with yeah. a potential buyer. The magazine's not doing well. I mean, magazines aren't doing well. But this this story hustling methodology for McLean's has been fairly disastrous. Yeah, but tell me, like, tell me whose method hasn't been disastrous, Jesse. I mean, and the answer is the New York Times. So, you know, we should all be at the New York Times or we should all make the New York Times. But short of that, I mean, I was I was safely ensconced at Torstar when McLean's went to monthly publication and we sold off uh, Lex Oelite and we stopped publishing Canadian business and, uh, you know, all that stuff. I was safe and sound at another, at, a, at the country's largest newspaper and... Uh, John Honderick sidled up to me and said, you know, ha, 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 I bet you're thinking you just escaped in time. And what I actually was thinking was, well, I've been thinking about going back. Uh, and incidentally, you're not looking so healthy yourself, uh, Mr. Torstar. Like, Torstar is a catastrophe. The Globe and Mail amuses themselves by covering everyone else's catastrophe, but everyone knows the Globe and Mail is a catastrophe with a strike vote imminent, you know. And yeah. on our piece of, of hurtling rock descending into the chasm of hell, <laughs> we're actually still getting to do excellent work. Our circulation over the last year for the print product has been stable, which is astonishing, you know. And, and whenever my journalistic career ends, I will be amazed to realize that my five years at the National Post won't have been the summit of my career, that the 15 years at McLean's afterwards would, you know, like I humbly submit that we've all been doing quite good work. And I'm not sure what else you can ask for, you know? In a way, Paul, you guys are the resistance. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm glad you noticed that. Yes, that's what we call it one another. Yes. Did you at least have fun last week? What, what was your favorite dunk of the McLean's cover? There were so many. I like the King of the Hill version of, of the cover. Did you have a favorite? I actually really enjoyed all of them. Um, it was touching that uh, like NDP candidates in Toronto banded together and, and took a photo of themselves and called themselves the resistance. And incidentally, were nice enough to keep my byline on their made up story, right? Like everyone had their own version of the resistance. They all, they all permitted me to, to have written these imaginary stories. I was, I was very pleased, but the treatments that weren't completely satirical were incredibly, almost leadenly earnest, you know? And one thing I just don't think McLean's is, is built to be these days is leadenly earnest, you know? So it's, I felt bad for these people who, who were honestly suggesting that McLean's should say, the people with virtue have virtue and the people without it don't have it. It's like, we're trying to say some stuff that's a little more interesting and I'm sorry if people get upset.
but we're just going to try to be a little less astonishingly predictable. <laughs> and they can't take that away from you. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, it's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool. doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer, and it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. Paul, I want to play you a clip of one of the guys behind Ontario Proud. I guess the guy behind Ontario Proud, Jeff Ballingall. When I interviewed him on Canada Land last December, here's what he said about their funding. Who pays for this? People pay. Um, similar to ways uh, you raise money. Um, people give me, I put out an email last night and I've raised $600 overnight. We're talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars raised. Uh, yeah, we're getting to that amount. Yeah. Okay. And this is all through like just crowdfunding through there is a web page and yeah, that's it's crowdfunding, but no, we have people giving us five thousand dollar checks, but no one big donor has given any huge amount. And at the same time, no one's telling me what to do. Well, uh, you heard him there saying that, you know, basically it's built the same way Canada Land is built. Uh, you know, our average level of support is five dollars a month from uh, our patrons. He was saying, Yeah, there's no there's no big donors here. You know, maybe we got a five thousand dollar check once. Fast forward to last week and Press Progress got their hands on, I think it was kind of hiding in plain sight. It was this um, secret fundraising pitch document that Ontario Proud has been presenting to large companies where they are asking for up to $250,000. Yep. And we don't know yet if any of those large corporate donors gave them $100,000, $200,000, but they're going to have to disclose all this very soon. And as they move to the federal stage, as this Ontario Proud Facebook page, which, you know, boasts more interactions than the entire Canadian news media combined, you know, thereabouts, as they move to try to take Trudeau down and influence Canadians writ large with uh, a lot of shit posting and memes, the question, who is paying for this, 
maybe we'll get some clarity with it because I I think that Jeff Ballingall may have not been completely candid and forthcoming with me in that interview. <laughs> yeah, the um, plucky band of brothers who you know threw in, emptied their pockets, and 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 threw in six quarters at an apple core. That doesn't really sound like what actually went down. I also wonder how high up that sponsorship scale anyone went. Uh, I wouldn't be too surprised to hear that Paul Godfrey put in some large number of thousands of dollars, you know? You just throwing that out there or do you know something? No, I, no I'm completely making that up. Uh, it's just, right. a, you know, and since he does have a national newspaper chain, maybe he saved his money and, and put it in the national newspaper chain. But anyway, I'll tell you why conservatives do this. It is an article of faith among conservatives that the labor union-backed AstroTurf groups like um, Working Families in Ontario substantially contributed to Dalton McGuinty's last election victory and to Kathleen Wynne's first election victory. And that uh, that had a lot to do with Stephen Harper calling the 2015 election earlier than anyone thought he would because he believed that labor union groups were coming to get him and he wanted to get into the writ period as fast as possible. And I don't say this to justify it. It's not, it's, it's universal that a bully always thinks he's being attacked before he does his attacking. But there are gray zones in the election financing laws, and there have been groups that sprung up to take advantage of them. And uh, this is a bit of a theme for me today. I wish that if you'd asked Ballingall what was going on, he had simply told you what was going on. But in Canada, nobody ever gives a straight answer to a straight question. So... Yeah, no, I think I've even understated it. I'm looking at it now, and it seems that they were seeking up to $700,000 from some organizations. Yeah. They're buying TV ads. You know, maybe these are the poor conservatives fighting back against uh, special interest money on the on the other side. But it's been not suggested, it's been asserted that this is going to have a major impact on the next election and that, and that this group was instrumental in the Ontario election in putting Doug Ford in office. Do you buy that? Do you think that essentially these... I don't want to call it sophisticated, but they figured out Facebook better than anyone else. Yeah. You know, they, they really understand how to use Facebook. Well, I mean, not better than anyone else because the winning campaigns lately have a very, very good understanding of Facebook, including Doug Ford's. Do I think they had an effect? I suspect they do have some effect at the margin. And therefore, it's uh, perfectly fair to hope that the campaign laws are reformed over time. Unfortunately, the campaign laws are always written by the party that just won the last campaign, <laughs> and they typically don't see any advantage. We're seeing this from the federal liberals who are refusing to make their own party's practices compatible with uh, modern expectations around privacy uh, and protection of data. And similarly, I don't expect Doug Ford to shut down Ballingall's group. You know, yeah. But I, I do say at the margin, we've seen case after case after case where no matter who was putting how many millions of dollars into one side or another of a debate, they didn't win. Business sure would have liked uh, the Cuillard Liberals to win the last uh, Quebec election. I mean, they can live with uh, Legault and the and the CAC, but they were doing quite well with the Cuillard Liberals, and it didn't help. I suspect that there are a lot of big businesses who would have preferred the win Liberals to Doug Ford's Conservative Party, but a lot of people. You know, basically, you know, Sun News alumni thought that Doug Ford was, was going to be a good premier. Uh, I don't think that the next, you know, the next incremental $10,000 is what sways an election. I think there are tides in the affairs of man. But that being said, uh, it helps calm everyone down. It helps everyone be sure if the spending is out in the open and you know who's doing the spending and there's a rough parody. Yeah. There's a couple of things here, you know. I mean, I, I don't think that it's just a question of who's got the most money. I do think it's the techniques and the tactics here, and we're seeing things we haven't seen before. A lot of people will say that we're making too much of this, and I do want to put it in context. We should have lots of voices, you know. Uh, a partisan press is fine. 
I think that we need to know where the money's coming from yeah. and who's pulling the strings. And I do think that when you are dealing with something like a strange beast like Ontario Proud, the likes of which we haven't really seen, they don't play by the same rules. Can you hold them to account on the accuracy of what they publish? They're not really in the business of spreading, you know, news. I don't think they present themselves as a news organization. It's a propaganda outfit. I think Balangal basically copped to that when he was here. But I do feel like when he says we're not partisan players, which is something he said, we're just we're just anti Kathleen Wynne. Doesn't mean we're for anyone. And then as soon as it was clear the Liberals weren't going to win, they started attacking the NDP. You know, there are things that he said that I just feel you would not get that kind of brazen ah, misrepresentation from somebody who was running a news outfit. You know, no, that's true. I mean, and it's I don't know worrisome, tiresome, vexing to see so many obviously partisan simulacra of the kind of work that that we've been doing for a long time like um the nice lady in the ontario news now newscasts who used to be a newscaster who gets up and parrots whatever doug ford's premier's office tells her to say and has is she not an employee of doug ford's office yeah 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 i mean and she has i'm told by doug ford's campaign manager uh way more exposure on facebook than the likes of of me you know uh-huh. uh, and but I do worry when someone says, well, something should be done because the something that should be done usually looks a a, a lot like propping up some sort of state version of the truth, you know? And so as we start to try and remedy these things, I I, I would just counsel caution. The something that should be done is disclosure, sunlight, journalism, you know, let's just figure out what the hell's going on here. Paul Wells, you are familiar with Canada Land Shortcuts. You know our format. You know how we do. You know that we duly note. Please proceed. So it's crunch time in the uh, Brexit process in in Britain, and they're finally realizing that they have stark and terrible decisions to make. And there's a good chance that Theresa May's government is going to fall over this. I wish that at some point in the last two years, and probably even before Brits had voted, British newspapers had spent a lot more time putting the obvious and stark choices before the British people. But British newspapers are 60 years into a trend where they give way more uh, attention to allegations and dark theories about people's motivation, and they don't give a shit about what's actually going on. And I think one reason that Britain's in such a mess right now is because British newspapers decided a long time ago they'd rather have fun than cover the news. Duly noted. I'm going to duly note something that... Like it's just it's it's just so predictable. It's such a news cliche, but I, I think it needs to be called out every time it happens... CBC covering these explosions, this terrorist attack in Sherwood Park, and in identifying the alleged culprit, this 21-year-old Kane Kosolowski, we get a, like, smiling Sears portrait of him and a headline, Sherwood Park man linked to explosions was happy, had a good heart, friends say. And at this stage of the game, it is uh, incredible to me that it, it does not occur to news desks that when you are writing about white guy terrorism, there's a trope of focusing on how the guy was great and it's so unexpected and presenting a really smiley picture and and how that just doesn't play out that way when other people are accused of these crimes. I mean, how many times does this have to happen? Or is that a criticism that has been absorbed and dismissed? I don't know. Duly noted. Attacks on the media, they're about increasing the level of cynicism that citizens have towards all authorities, towards all of the institutions that are there to protect us as citizens. 
And one of the bulwarks against that, one of the institutions that is most under stress right now, is a free, independent, free-thinking, independent, rigorous, robust, respected media. Paul, what do you make of Justin Trudeau's championing of Canada's free press? My first reaction is honestly that it's good to hear. It is way better to hear an elected leader talking that way than to hear Donald Trump calling individual reporters stupid and racist and enemies of the people. Better to see that than to see some of the institutionalized blocks against the coverage that we see in too many places. Now, having said that, yes. Justin Trudeau could sure help. He could, he could have made it clear that none of his cabinet ministers was going to speak in China unless reporters were allowed in the room. Uh, unfortunately, Bill Morneau spoke to the Canada-China Business Council on their 40th anniversary, and the Chinese side said, don't allow reporters in, and the Canada-China Business Council said, yes, sir, yes, sir, three bags full. That's appalling. Uh-huh. Justin Trudeau could tell Scott Bryson, his Treasury Board president, that the current reforms to the uh, access to information laws are bullshit, would seek to further complicate and further obscure and further render useless a law that is 30 years past needing real reform. And Justin Trudeau could tell himself and his ministers that when asked a question, you are allowed at least once in a while to give a real answer and not a, a meaningless spew of platitudinous pap. Uh, speaking truth to power also implies having a realistic hope that power will speak back in recognizable English with facts. And it's incredibly rare to get anything like that from this government. Bill Morneau is giving his uh, fall economic update next week. Nobody I know can confect any curiosity about what Bill Morneau might say about the Canadian economy at this perilous moment, because the, the assumption is that Bill Morneau is going to wank in front of millions uh, and say, working hard for the middle class and a bunch of other stuff that means nothing. That's a problem. Yep. Um, <laughs> that's all spot on. Why is he saying it, you think? Because we will hold him to this. Are these just pretty words that make him seem virtuous or do you see this as a response to increasing murmurings between, well, it was almost like this uh, fight between Bernier and Shears to who could slag the press off more vituperatively and uh, the conservatives obviously aligning themselves with an anti-press, you know, populist uprising. Did that basically hand this issue to Trudeau saying like, well, you know what, I'm going to champion the free press. That's a better look for me. Look, I think Justin Trudeau believes every word of what he said. And there have been concrete cases where, even when it was difficult, this government told the truth to, to inquiring reporters. There have been other cases where formerly inquiring reporters were hired by this government and were never heard to say anything interesting again. There, you know, like, as with so many things, as on science research, where the most interesting things that I hear from this government come from the mouth of Justin Trudeau, it would be good if the government walked the talk. It would be good if the science minister ever said anything as interesting about science as the prime minister does. It would be, but I'm pretty sure she's not allowed to. I'm pretty sure, you know, I'm yeah. pretty sure this government got a bumper crop of uh, newly minted ministers who had never been MPs before, had, had no experience with the cut and thrust of parliamentary debate or news conferences. And they decided that just to be on the safe side, they would never let any of them speak their minds again. And it makes my life here frustrating, but I, but I think it's arguably a problem for our democracy. We, it's not a real conversation.
I kind of forecasting this, you know, looking how this is going to play out because I do think he's kind of carving out some space for himself for an upcoming fight. And I'm 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 with you, Paul, on this pretty much exactly. Like I feel like he's kind of baked us this beautiful. He's made the media this wonderful cake. And I'm really appreciative for the cake. And now I just want to like smush the cake in his face constantly. Like this is the cake you made. Yeah. Like we're, let's remind him of this thing he said. But I do think it's going to be interesting to see this play out uh, because we now know the game plan for attacking the media, attacking the media, attacking the media. I agree with him. It's more dangerous than just the fact that journalists actually get killed when you do that. It actually does threaten the basis for which we have every debate in this country, uh, if you attack the idea that anyone has any claim on, on objective reality, uh, yeah. you're, you're playing with really, really elemental forces and it, it could have really bad outcomes. I'm really intrigued to see an election that is fought in part on I am pro-press, pro-truth versus the press is biased, the press is the enemy of the people. If that's the fight we have ahead of us, I kind of think that's a good fight. Yeah, I mean, and and it may not only be a fight that we have ahead of us. I mean, to some extent, that was what Doug Ford ran on. I mean, Doug Ford ran on the, I don't have a press bus and I've hired a journalist to, to pretend But unopposed, you know. but unopposed. There was no one on the other side saying, you can't do that, that's disgusting and despicable. It was just us and we just look like whiners, you know? There yeah. was no one he was fighting against saying, sorry, you need to be accountable. You can't hire your own reporter. That would be like hiring your own judge. You can't do things like that. We need a free press. Yeah. If that's the way it works out, I'll be very curious to watch it. I mean, I note that uh, Don Balagas, the uh, chairman of the NDP campaign in the last Ontario election, was heard after the vote was over to speak quite admiringly of Ontario News Now and to say that if he'd thought of it, he'd have done it for the NDP. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, modern oh, times, ain't they fun? Oh, Wells, that is your Canada Land Shortcuts. Hope you enjoyed it. I had fun with you, Paul. It was fun. You can email me at jesse at canadalandshow.com. I read everything you send. We are on Twitter at Canadaland. Paul Wells, tell us about your famous Twitter handle. Inkless PW. In the very old days, I had one of the first media blogs anywhere in, in 2003. And I was like, what do you call it? And it's like, well, my name's Wells. And people always say Ink Wells. And I go, well, but a blog doesn't have any ink. So it's like Inkless Wells. It's also my Gmail address. And I'm so heartily sick of it, I can't even tell you. You know, when your Twitter name requires that much explanation, you know you're onto something. <laughs> Our website is canadalandshow.com. We publish original stories there with some frequency, and you should read them. This episode was produced by David Crosby. Our managing editor here at Canada Land is Kevin Sexton. Syndication is by CFUV 101.9 FM in Victoria. Visit them online at cfuv.ca. And finally, if you like what we do and you'd like to get ad-free podcasts, please support us at patreon.com slash canadaland. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com 
slash join. And thank you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 